Let's turn the scriptures to 1 Samuel and to the 30th chapter, 1 Samuel and chapter 30. Remember, this is the time when the Amalekites had come and burned Ziklag and taken away the people while David was away and with his men. And he comes back, and we'll pick it up from verse 6 there. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and his, and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind, that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and four hundred men, for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. And they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an, to an Amalekite, and my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Carathites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives, and there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, This is David's spoil. And David came to the two hundred men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they, bade made, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial of those that went with David and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, He shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us. Who hath, pre who hath pre preserved us? 
and delivered the company that came against us into our hand? For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to them which were in Bethel, and to them which were in the south, in south Ramoth, and to them which were in Jatir, and to them which were in Aroah, and to them which were in Sifmoth, and to them which were in Eshtemoah, to them which were in Rakal, and to them which were in the cities of the Jeremielites, and to them which were in the cities of the Kenites, and to them which were in Hormah, and to them which were in Korashan, and to them which were in Atak, and to them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. Amen. We thank the Lord for this reading of his word. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we commit the preaching of thy word to thee. We pray, Lord, that thou wouldst lead us and guide us both in the preaching of it and in the hearing of it. We pray, Lord, that our ears might be open to the word. We pray that our hearts might be open to the Holy Ghost, that thou wouldst speak unto us. And, Lord, that thou wouldst guide and direct us into all truth. We thank thee, Lord, for thy word. We thank thee that thou hast recorded these things and that they are selected from all the things of the world. Lord, that we might learn something from each page. And Lord, we pray that thou wilt bless us as we contemplate uh, this episode in David's life at uh, this time. Continue with us then this evening, we pray thee, and bless our souls and all who hear the words of this, of this um, message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. <clears throat> so, last uh, time we were thinking about David and what he did and how that he encouraged himself in the Lord and that uh, he went forward, uh, didn't wait about, but went forward to recover all that the Lord promised him that he would recover. And I want to pick it up there really and consider uh, what happened then. Uh, we uh, cover a little bit of this uh, again, uh, but first of all we uh, see here how that they found this Egyptian in the field and that the Egyptian had not eaten or drunk for three days. He had been left behind. And we saw there that it was about the time when David was sent away from Achish uh, to go back to Ziklag that they were attacking Ziklag. So it took him uh, three days then to come back. And if this man had been left three days before, we might think that perhaps the uh, Amalekites were three days onwards from where he was. But that's not necessarily so. They may have had a destination in mind. And it would uh, appear to be so, in actual fact, uh, because David asked the Egyptian if he was able to bring them down to where this uh, party was. And the young man said that he could, uh, which would seem to suggest that it was a place known to him, that it wasn't just a, a random encampment on a, on a journey somewhere, but it was a meeting place of some kind. Uh, perhaps it was a, a spot where merchandise was, uh, was um Tra traded, uh, and we'll come back to consider that a little bit later on. But whatever it was, this Egyptian said that as long as they uh, looked after him, they didn't give him back to his master, that he would bring them down to that company. And so they did. So he did. 
So they come upon this company then, and we see that they were rejoicing. In verse 16 it says, And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. So here is this gathering then. It seems, as I've said, to be in a place which was a place of safety. They considered it to be a place of safety. It was a place where they could eat and drink, uh, where they could let their hair, hair down, to use a, um, a common language, uh, where they could just relax and, and rejoice. that they'd, they'd had a successful trip. They had gone round. They had raided certain places. They'd come back with uh, very much spoil from their work. And Ziklag, of course, if they had taken the wives and children of the 600 men who had been there, that, that, was, a, that was a huge haul just in itself. And every, anything which the men had owned there, no doubt they had brought with them. But not just there, they had also worked uh, amongst the, the, the countries toward the south. And we can see that this man tells us in verse 14, we made an invasion upon the south of the Kerithites, upon the coast that belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. So uh, they, they had been busy. They, they had gathered much, and perhaps they had gathered so much that they couldn't go any further. They had to go back and offload before they could go out on any more uh, hunting parties. They could go any more marauding around the area. So here we have this, this great rejoicing, and uh, I think that... When we see this day of response of David, how that David, having comforted himself in the Lord, asked the Lord what he should do, and we noted last time that he did so in a humble spirit, asking, shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? It's down to thee, Lord. And the Lord said, pursue, thou shalt overtake them, and without fail, recover all. David goes after them, and he seeks and, and desires, and is... is uh, convinced that everything that had been lost will be returned to him. Those who are rejoicing, however, know nothing of this. Uh, Ziklag had been burned with fire. There were no men there, presumably, or if there were, they were young men uh, or the old men who weren't able to go forth to battle. And we know that there must have been uh, weak ones with them because even when they came to the brook Besor, there were some there, 200 of them, who weren't uh, strong enough to carry on from that point. So no doubt there were old men and perhaps there were older men still. And there were young men, perhaps with them too, who uh, weren't able to go on. In this day of response, though, David comes to make this engagement with the enemies of the Lord and with his enemies. And the first thing which we might consider here is the enemies of the Lord have this short-lived mirth. They thought themselves safe and clear. They thought that they had done well on their travels, that they should come across these places, that they should defeat the enemies or at least those who they sought to steal from that they had done well, that perhaps they had lost no uh, soldiers amongst them or no men amongst them. They had come now to this place, which uh, I will seek to uh, suggest to you later on was a trading point of some kind. And they rejoiced. They were dancing. 
they were full of mirth, they were full of happiness, uh, they had done well, they were about to get their rewards. But we hear this from the word of God, 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 3, For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. When they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. The world carries on in its delights and in its lusts and in its ways and thinks that the people of God are just pointless people, really. They don't deserve anything or any attention whatsoever. But the day will come when God will judge the world. And it will come at such a time when people are dancing, when people are uh, filled with joy and happiness and uh, they are filled with all of the delights of their spoil of this earth, the things which they have in this world. And then suddenly destruction will come. And that was exactly what happened here because when David came upon them, we see in verse 17 that David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. David smote them. Sudden destruction. A destruction which hits them at the weakest point. Now there's some dif distant, uh, difference of opinion upon when this twilight is. Some think that this was the evening, uh, the evening twilight, and uh, suggest that the word used means the evening twilight. However, it would be very unusual if uh, any marauding army, especially one who uh, was under such a captain as David, who had won so many battles in the past, would come and begin a fight in the evening when it was getting dark. So I would suggest that probably it was the morning, the twilight of the morning. They had been dancing, they had been drinking, they had been uh, about and cavorting about and no doubt were tired or drunk or uh, hung over. And David comes in with his 400 men and he attacks them in the morning. And when it says unto the twilight, even the evening, uh, unto the evening of the next day, of course the evening of the next day is the beginning of the next day in the understanding of the Hebrews. So uh, the, the evening and the morning were the first day. And so the evening was the beginning of the next day. We, we of course, think of the, the morning as being the next day. But they took the evening to be the next day. So it seems that the battle went on for a day. And so this short-lived mirth which they had ends with a destruction which came upon them. Matthew 24 and verse 38 we read, For as in the days that were before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And David, of course, being a type of the Lord Jesus Christ, this was the coming of David. This was the, king, the, the coming of, of he who was to be proclaimed king very shortly. And destruction came with him in his hand. Careful we must be. When we think that all is going well, when we think that we're doing well, if we don't know the Lord, if we don't know Christ, then sudden destruction comes. And it will come at a point when we think peace and safety. When we have convinced ourselves we are safe, then the judgment will come. When you have convinced yourself that there is nothing to come upon you, then sudden destruction cometh and in the twilight here with no preparation no readiness 
And we find here in this engagement that the, the spoil of merchandise was everything which had been taken. Everything was lost. And the scripture tells us, doesn't it, very clearly that when the judgment of God comes, everything is lost. There is, there is nothing retained to us. We know the scripture tells us that uh, it, we, it, we brought nothing into this world. It is certain we can carry nothing out. And so if all we have is the, is the spoil of this world, then we have nothing, nothing. The only thing dear to us will be our lives. And if that is taken, then we are partakers not just of death, but of the second death. We have nothing. What should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? And lose his own soul. David then gathers in all that he had lost. The merchandise which was ready there to be trans, uh, transported away. It comes to David. He recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. Verse 18. And verse 8. Wasn't this what the Lord said? Pursue for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. This was the day of David's response. But we see here that there were some who escaped. It tells us in the end of verse 17, there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men which rose upon, rode upon camels and fled. They rode upon camels and fled. Uh, this is where I'm going to uh, seek to put across to you the fact that this was some kind of a trading area. Uh, perhaps not a trading post per se, but somewhere where people met. Because camels really don't feature very much in the Old Testament. Uh, they, when they do feature, they seem to be beasts of burden used by merchants. Uh, that The merchants come and they carry away whatever it is that they will carry. Uh, and they will buy and they will trade and they will barter. If you remember from Genesis and chapter 37 and verse, eight, uh, verse 28, it says, And they're passed by Midianites merchantmen and they drew and lifted up joseph out of the pit and sold joseph to the ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and they brought joseph into egypt the midianites here in isaiah 60 and verse 6 we read the multitude of camels shall cover thee the dromedaries of midian and ephah all they from sheba shall come and they shall bring gold and incense and they shall show forth the praises of the lord and the midianites uh, connected quite often with the Amalekites. They, they, they work together in, in certain ways within the scripture. So when we read of these 400 men, it, it seems a very strange thing that the, that the Amalekites would have 400 young men, and it was just the young men who rode upon camels that escaped. But if these were Midianites, if these were merchant men, they weren't necessarily together. And all they saw was that the battle was, uh, was coming on toward the Amalekites from David and with his 400 men. And they thought to themselves, well, we don't need to be here. We'll just get on our camels and we're going to go. And David had no battle with them particularly anyway, because they weren't the ones who had, who had torched uh, Ziklag. And so when they fled, they were just fleeing with nothing. And perhaps that's the thought here. They got nothing. The traders got nothing. David recovered everything, as the Lord had said. What we could say then about these who escape was that they could live and fight another, another day, or live and trade another day, perhaps to, to bring it into the context here. It's very important that we understand that even when we would uh, fight against the enemies of the gospel, or the enemies of God, 
even the enemies against our own souls, that is, uh, the distractions and the suggestions of the world and those things which draw us out, the lusts out of our hearts that we might desire over those things. And we know how James says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Even when those things flee, we have to be ready for them to come back again. The Midianites, if they fled, would come back again. Now it doesn't say they were Midianites, we can't be absolutely sure of this. But as I say, it's a very strange thing that they have so many camels and camels being used in camel trains. They were, uh, they were like the, the um, <clears throat> articulated lorries of the day. They carry great burdens. They could travel across uh, great distances without water. Uh, they were such useful beasts and they are very, very seldom spoken of in the Old Testament scriptures. It's very seldom that the Jews uh, speak of camels or of owning camels. We know that Abraham had camels, but there is little else to suggest that the Jews used camels. So it seems to me that these were they who had no heart for a fight, but they would still be there. And so it is with the devil, of course, even when we resist the devil, that's not the end of the, of the thing. Even when we resist the devil, we overcome the temptation, we stand up for that which is right, that won't be the end of the thing. He will come back again. But we are to continue to resist. So this is the day of response then. Those who rejoiced at all that they had gathered together from David, from Ziklag, and from the Kerathites. Now the Kerathites, if we just uh, mention them for a moment, are probably the Philistines. Uh, because of the, of the, um, the words of later on, it tells us what he says, this young man of Egypt, that they made invasion upon the south of the Kerathites. And then it also speaks about uh, the things which they had taken out of the land of the Philistines, which weren't mentioned before. The Kerathites then, it is thought, might be uh, those people of the seas, um, perhaps from uh, one of the islands of the seas. The Philistines seem to be seafarers. Uh, that's the historic and, and archaeological understanding uh, that the, the Philistines had come in from somewhere else. They had come in, uh, they were Gentiles that had come in from the islands. Uh, some have said perhaps from Crete. But the Kerathites then seem to be the Philistines themselves. But the Kerathites and the Philistines received nothing out of this. They didn't get anything back again. So we go on from the day of response to the dispersion of the recovered goods and what David does with them. There are gains here. It tells us that David recovered all. And in verse 20, David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle and said, this is David's spoil. So not only did David recover all, but David recovered more than he had, than he had lost. It's a tremendous thing when we, when we have the Lord on our side and we seem to have lost everything, God is able to bring back to us more than we lost. God is able to give an abundance when we are true to him. And we know how that David had fought before. And he had done very much what the Amalekites had done here. He had gone into the south country. He had fought against the Amalekites and stolen from them. But when he came back, he went to Achish, first of all. And shared the plunder with Achish. This time, he goes with the Lord. And the Lord gives him more plunder, more spoil, than he even went out to get. And he doesn't go back to Achish this time, but he gives it to God's people. 
He gives it to his friends. He gives it to those in those places that he was wont to haunt, as the scripture says. He wasn't a ghost, but he was haunting these places anyway. And going there, that's where he would go in his dangerous times. So the gains then were these recovered goods and extra recovered goods. But we read that when they had all of these things, David's spoil, that there were some who murmured. Uh, And we see that in uh, verse 22. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial, those that went with David and said, because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. You see, the pride which is in these men who had gone forth into the battle, and the grumbles which they bring forth, and how they are termed here, wicked men and men of Belial, or men of worthlessness. They went with David. And they look upon those who didn't go with David as being unworthy to receive anything. What a conceit they had within their hearts. A conceit that they were the men, that they were the ones who had fought, that they were the ones who were worthy and these others were not worthy. Not only that they should not receive anything, but that they should depart. We don't want them with us. You know, we can see that also sometimes within the congregation of God's people. There are those who are perhaps extrovert. There are those who have particular talents. They're on the front lines. They do the fighting. And it seems that they look down upon the ordinary person in the pew. The people, as it were, who tarry with the stuff. They consider themselves to be more worthy and were shot through with pride. Thankfully, David, their captain, was a man after God's own heart. And we see that God is not like that at all. Even the fact that David encouraged himself in the Lord and the Lord said to David, you go and you will uh, overtake them and you will recover all. Even though David had forsaken the Lord and that's how it was that he happened to be with Achish when these people were raiding Ziklag. The Lord doesn't hold grudges. The Lord doesn't remember against us those things which we have done wrong. But the Lord, when we trust in him, is with us. And he blesses us from the greatest to the least of us. We're often so, so moved to overlook the ordinary people within the church. And I, I, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We need to encourage every person for whatever weakness it may, may be that kept these men back. That they could not pass over the brook Besor. Nevertheless, do you not think that they prayed For the men who had passed over, was it not their women and children and their goods that had been taken just as much? Did they not perhaps beat themselves up that they weren't more useful, that they couldn't make this journey? We think, and someone has said, in fact, and this is a quote from someone, I'm not quite sure who said it originally, but missionaries... Popular preachers, diligent pastors, and men of high literary culture, you can tell this is from uh, the 19th century, men of high literary culture may be in the forefront, but the mothers who train children in the fear of God, fathers who live godly lives in the world, quiet, wise men who conduct religious movements, widows who cast in their might, 
and even sick and weary ones who in the solitude of their chamber offer daily prayers for the hosts of God render most valuable service in the common enterprise. Not everybody is suited to the same work. Paul says the same thing, doesn't he? He said we're all members of one body. Some are more comely than others. Some uh, can be easily identified. Others are hidden away, but they are just as important. I always remember something which John Douglas said many years ago, that uh, when we get to heaven, perhaps we'll uh, understand that some who have seemed to be the greatest and the the, the most uh, within the kingdom of heaven and within the work of God will be further back down the line, so to speak, than a widow woman or a young person or someone with a disability who had spent time in prayer for that preacher. And for all of the success that the preacher or the missionary or whoever else it was received and, and managed, to ma- managed in their lives was down to the prayers of the person who nobody knew. But God saw it. And God sees us when we pray. God sees us when we serve him in those small things as well as what we consider to be the great things. In third, the third epistle of John, verse 5, we read, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which are borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. And so the Lord looks upon those who are a part of the work, but maybe not in the forefront. It's very important to pray for those who are in the forefront. It's very important to, be, to do whatever we can do to help in the enterprise of God. Again, the Lord looks upon all with grace. And even those who have done the greatest in their lives receive only that which God gives by grace. In Matthew 20 and verses 11 to 16, it speaks of those who went and worked in the field of the husbandman. And it says, and when they had received it, that is their wages, they murmured against the good man of the house, saying, these last have wrought but one hour. And thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I do thee no wrong. Didst not thou agree with me for a penny? Take that thine is, and go thy way. I will give unto this last, even as unto thee. Is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is thine evil because I am good? So the last shall be first, and the first last. For many be called, but few chosen. And the Lord is gracious. We need to always to remember that. And we see then not just this conceit, but the commandment. And there is a commandment concerning this very thing. They didn't want to share what they had taken in spoil with those who stayed with the stuff because they hadn't fought with them. They hadn't, they hadn't uh, uh, trusted their lives to their swords or to the Lord. Uh, and so they thought, well, you've just sat here, you've done nothing, so you don't deserve anything. You can have back what is yours, uh, we'll give you that much, uh, but that's it, and then you may as well go, you're no, no good to us. But already the Lord had dealt with this. In Numbers chapter 31, verse 27, divide the prey into two parts between them that took the war upon them, who went out to battle, and between all the congregation. These are the words which the Lord gave. 
And Joshua 22 and verse 8 also. And he spake unto them, saying, Return with much riches unto your tents, and with very much cattle, with silver, and with gold, and with brass, and with iron, and with very much raiment. Divide the spoil of your enemies with your brethren. You see, we're all to rejoice together. And whatever may be, may, may be affected for the glory of God, we are all to rejoice together. And praise God and thank the Lord one for another. And then we also see the grace of David as he disperses the recovered goods. It's called David's spoil. And of course, David as the captain, uh, all of those things which they had recovered, he could say, well, this is my portion. Uh, I am the captain. I'm the one that, that led you. I'm the one that sought the Lord. I'm the one that is blessed of God. And all of these things are mine. But in his grace... He gives these things away. Of course, spoil can become detrimental to us. And when we gain things in the world, spiritual things or physical things, when we gain things in the world, they can become the very snare which, which captures us and, and, and uh, overcomes us. David could so easily have kept these things for himself. And there, where would he go from there? He would need a place in order to keep them. He would have to look after them. He would have to be thinking more about himself. That it wouldn't be any use to him. And so we find that David sends these things to his friends in verse 26. He sent the spoil of the elders unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. The Lord has given me these things. I give them to you. Remember what Jesus says to the disciples, freely ye have received, freely give. And that's what David does. There's nothing, as we have said, for the Carathites, uh, unlike when David was under his own command and went and fought against the Amalekites and slew uh, all that the news that he was fighting against them wouldn't come back to Achish. He himself came back to Achish with whatever spoil he had gathered and no doubt shared it with Achish. And Achish would say to him, well, where have you fought this day? And he he would um, equivocate and say, well, it was toward the south of Judah. And he was actually saying that he was fighting against not Judah, but others. But still, he was sharing the plunder with the enemies of the Lord. Now he is able to share the spoils with the friends of the Lord, with the people of the Lord. Nothing goes back to the Philistines, but it goes out to the service of God. David sharing then goes out to help those who had helped him. It goes out as a part of the establishment of his kingdom. It's interesting that he goes through all of these different places. I won't read them again, but in verse 31, we find the final one of them to them which were in Hebron. To all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt or frequent to Hebron. And it was in Hebron that David was proclaimed king first. It was in Hebron where he set up his initial headquarters, so to speak. It was the people of Hebron who stood with him. And with all of these, he gives of the spoil roundabout. And all are blessed with him, not just the soldiers, not even just the ones who are left by the stuff, by people who didn't know anything about what was going on. And there's this dispersal. 
the scripture teaches this, doesn't it? That the empty hand is a full hand. The more we give, the more we have. And ultimately, when we think about our lives, there was something I've read in the paper, actually, um, just this week, that people's riches do, do not fulfill them. What fulfills people most is relationships. Relationships. And of course, the church is all about relationships. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with God. It's the congregation of God's people. It, it is the communion that we, we share together. And those are the important things. And every blessing needs to be shared given out and that's what david does we know also the blessing of the lord now there are many times when the devil may gain the advantage over us and that he might come and as it were burn down our ziklag and take all that we have but the response as we saw last time is to turn to the lord and don't delay now is the accepted time now is the day of salvation do it now Seek the Lord, and we find that David, as he does that, recovers all, and more than all. And he gathers not just the spoil, which he calls David's spoil, but he gathers friends. He gathers a communion, he gathers a people, he gathers citizens of the kingdom who will later proclaim him king, and who will stand by him throughout his life. We need that. We need the Lord. We need to seek the Lord, that the Lord's blessing would be upon us and that we too might see the power of our God. The devil seems to be rampant at this time, but God is still victorious. And God is still in control. And there is nothing that can be done that the Lord does not have under his hand and can change. We need to be much in prayer. We need to be much in service and pressing forwards and upward to the glory of his name. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us.